You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Hey there, it's Blasco, and this is a new level. Welcome to episode eight. My guest today is Tim Bohr. Tim is a senior agent in the New York office of United Talent Agency. He is responsible for discovering promising new talent, developing careers for his roster of artists, and booking large-scale tours for some of today's most influential bands, including Lamb of God, The Original Misfits, Clutch, Killswitch Engage, and Opeth, just to name a few. He is a longtime friend and colleague, and he lets me crash on his couch when I'm in New York. Tim, thanks for joining me today. Yeah, man. Good to talk to you, Blasco. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Hell yeah. So uh, I always like to kind of start it off with a history lesson of how we know each other, where we first met. And I want to say we've known each other for way longer than we've ever worked together. Yeah, indeed. I I mean, you know, I think think I'm, I'm fairly sure... Uh, on the early days of Ozfest, I, I don't know if it, it predates that or not. It may very well. It's kind of some of these relationships, especially good ones, kind of get lost in the fray as to when they began, as they uh, they they go all go back a good ways. But I'm fairly sure that's where you and I connected. Yeah, I'm feeling like it was the Ozfest era that had to have been our initial connection, right? So, um, so look, there's a theme throughout the podcast that um, that you can't trust anyone in the music business that wasn't first in a band. And I know you're one of those guys. So dig into your story. How did you get started in the music business? Well, um, it does go back to being in bands, I guess. Um, I kind of got into the music business because I didn't really feel like I was going to fit in anywhere else. You know, grew up going to punk and metal shows and hardcore shows and playing in those kinds of bands. And uh, when it was time to, to finish high school and and go to college, and I, I tried doing that, I kind of ran into a brick wall of like, oh, no, this is uh, real life doesn't look like it's going to suit me very well. And, <laughs> uh, and uh, after that first year, I just really decided yeah, I, I got to go back to where I belong, just being around music and trying to figure out how, if that was going to be an option for me to make a living. And I started off, you know, I kind of applied all the things that I already knew how to do through networking on the DIY level, on the punk level, and on the early days of metal, just being at shows and talking to people and looking for opportunity and getting my band shows and promoting shows and getting people out to shows and talking to each other and introducing bands and this, that, and the other thing. And I tried to establish myself in Philadelphia as a, a real DIY promoter and, and promoted a couple of shows way back in the day, early 90s. Did a couple of shows, had a couple of good ones, lost some money. I actually did Clutch's first show ever in Philadelphia. They supported Shelter, if you can figure out how that made any sense, those two bands together. But it was a pretty awesome show. And it seemed like I really knew what I was doing from that show because we had a great turnout. And then I got the crap beat out of me on the next two, financially speaking, and then thought, well probably not going to last too long on this because I'm running out of money. And uh, then where I was going to, to college, I was going to an art school, kind of treading water, trying to figure out what I was going to do. 
you know, these people came to my school on like a career day or whatever and started talking about that they were in the, the, the management side of music business. And they ran the fan club for Anthrax and managed the Cro-Mags. And I, that was, that's all I needed to hear were those two things. And I stalked those, those guys um, <laughs> until they gave me a shot interning for them. You know, interning, you do what you, you ask. You kind of, it kind of almost, it was back then, I'm not even sure these guys really knew what to do with an intern, but they'd have me do errands and they'd have me create letters or wh- whatever it may be. But eventually, they said, we've got this little band. Uh, I don't even remember what they were called, per se. They had a couple of little bands. We have these little bands. They're really not big enough for booking agents. Can you help try and book us some, like, tours? And they gave me, like, a, you know, like a like a promoter directory, a Polestar promoter, promoter directory. And again, early 90s. And I just started cold calling and booked these bands up and down the East Coast and out to Chicago. I don't know how good those tours were. They were probably awful. But what I figured out was that I could do that. And I went back to a lot of my relationships in, in, in the punk world and, and had my friends who weren't really trying to be career artists, but were bands that people cared about, Vision and Killing Time and Madball and some of those bands. And uh, you know, I just started helping them just to kind of do it for fun and to see what came of it. No, no real... Uh, idea that that would actually become my living at the time. Uh, I was just trying to stay busy and stay in it. You know, sure enough, I did enough with that where I developed better relationships. Some of those bands introduced me to bands like Sheer Terror and Life of Agony and Typo Negative. And then all of a sudden, I'm booking Typo Negative on the Bloody Kisses record. I'm, I'm still probably, you know, a teenager, 19 years old, maybe 20. You know, we're getting offers to play uh, support Queensryche and Nine Inch Nails and Motley Crue was one of the big tours they got offered. And the first time somebody mentioned the term backline to me, I I didn't even know what it meant. So um, I really didn't belong. I really was in a good position, but wasn't qualified to be in it. And it was really a matter of time before uh, I got shut down on it. But I got lucky enough that one of the bigger agencies at the time, uh, a bigger indie uh, agency, contacted me and said, hey, you probably don't know this, but you're going you're gonna to lose this band soon. Bigger agencies are circling the wagons. Everybody's talking to them, us being one of them. And, and rather than you lose the band, why don't you come over here with the band and we'll teach you how to actually do this. And everybody will win. And that was kind of uh, the real entry point for me having a career. Now, what company was that that took you under their wing? Uh, it, was a, it was a company called Artist and Audience. A guy named Alex Coaching was running the company. At the time, um, when I started, they had just finished a GNR stadium run when GNR was at their absolute peak before the breakup uh, at a Paul McCartney um, stadium run. Um, so I was really, my my 19-year-old self um, was really kind of, you know, stepping on the field for the first time into pretty amazing opportunity. Um, you know, I didn't, I didn't get, I didn't walk in as a, as an assistant. I actually had a little bit of a roster and enough to, to, to start out that, you know, I was able to, to, to start as an agent and book a territory and develop some artists and uh, learn how to do a pitch meeting and all the stuff that goes along with, with being an agent. Is it safe to say that your trip I- I- into college was just because that's what you felt like you were supposed to do, even though you knew that 
there was no way that that was what was going to be your future. Like your passion was music. That's what, that's really what you wanted to do. You just didn't know how to do it, but you went to college because you're just like, well, that's what everyone says we're supposed to do. Yeah. Look, I, I had a bit of a gun to my head at the time. I was, I was 18 years old going into college with a newborn baby and I had to figure out what the hell I was going to do with my life quick. Uh, so people could eat and um, nothing like winding up where you don't belong for you to realize you're on the wrong path and you better you better come up with a better plan quick, which is really what happened with me. Yeah. Well, so in the music business, you've been in for a while, you've been kicking ass for a long time, but as a music business question, what would you consider your greatest achievement? I don't know. I, I think the thing that I'm most proud of is that here I am nearly 25 years later after I got that break. And I'm still lucky enough to, for the most part, work with a lot of the music, at least genre-wise, of the stuff that I got into as a 14-year-old kid. So like the the dream of whatever that 14-year-old self had uh, is still living a reality of it now. And it's paid for my whole life. And I've had a career. And I think I'm just generally grateful that, you know, somehow that magic of going to a show and, and loving that aspect of, of music has turned into a whole career for me. Okay. So on the flip side, how about one misstep that you encountered along the way that you learned from? Um, when, when I first got into this, you know, I mean, was so into what I was into. The, the business was 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 second to me after kind of being in love with the fantasy of being in the music business, right? So I was all about what I was into, and I probably slept on some pretty great opportunities to have some much larger clients early on. And you don't always get those opportunities back again. I've, I've been lucky to re- reposition myself to be able to get those those opportunities again and again as time went. But there were some really great opportunities that I missed in those first five years in because I was just about what I was about and not uh, really appreciating the business for being the business, which over time, I, I, I love the craft of what we do as much as I love the artists that we get to represent. And, and I, that was something I didn't always understand. What is the best piece of advice for someone who is working towards a career in the music business? Well, you got to have fortitude. This is not for the weak at heart, this business. Um, it will break you. It'll, it'll, it'll spit you out. All the cliches that you hear about that, that stuff is real. There's this fine line, magical power for those who figure out how to stay in this business of, of not quite over-promising, but then still also being over to being able to over deliver at the same time. You got to fake it till you make it to a certain degree, but you can't be full of shit. And I think you have to decide between the romanticism of thinking you want to be in the entertainment business and determining that you're really built for heavy lifting early on to get this thing moving and having some momentum. Was early on, was there any adversity or, I mean, of course there was, but you know, I, I think maybe it's like, how did you get through that? Right. Like you're, cause you're always going to have people in your ear telling you like, look, man, you know, this is a tough business. Are you sure you want to get into this? You know, is this, is this, you know, it's, it's not cut out for everybody. Are you sure, are you sure you got what it takes, man? Like, you know, like y- you probably encountered a lot of that early on. And like, how did you, how did you get around that? Did you always think in the back of your mind, you know, like, you know, like this is me. Like, I'm cut out for this business. This business has my name on it. Well, I I definitely knew that it was me. 
and I never really second guess whether or not I, I had whatever it took. Looking back, the only other jobs I ever had in my life before this one were was mowing lawns and pumping gas. So I, I was like, this was when I made the decision to do this. And you're right. People tell you, oh, you know, you'll grow out of that. When are you going to get a real job? I want to go take care of of whatever you're going to do. And there was just no changing my lane. Um, you know, I was in love with being at shows, you know, more than anything. There was nothing more fun than to figure out how to book a show and then go see it. Okay. So what is your unique strength? And before you answer that, as you're thinking about your answer, there's one thing that I know about you that is super awesome is that on your to-do list, I think the number one item on your to-do list is Kill some motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's one, man. I say it all the time. It's uh, time to go kill and murder. I tell it to my wife every morning after golfing. It's time. <laughs> I don't know what my superpower is, man. I, you know, I'm, I'm patient. I try to see the long, the long view. When you find a cool band and they're a baby band and you – imagine a, a path for them and you kind of see why they may have an opportunity to grow and it's clear to you and it's plain to you. I mean, that, that's a, a weird superpower and that's, I'm not the only one with that. And uh, I'm certainly not even by, by any stretch the, the, the person with the best, best ability on that, but I have an ability with that. Even taking an established artist and looking at where they're at in their own career path and development curve, even if they've been around and, and, and really successful and being able to figure out how to take it to a different gear or prolong it for an even longer period of time and being able to relate with the people making the music and having a sense of what they're trying to convey and then also take it into and, and turn it into practical business that that's those of us who are successful in this business that's that's the magic that's that's part of the magic what are you most fired up about right now well the answer to that is when you're at where i'm at in my life it took a lot of self-development to get myself to wherever i'm at and there was ways that I've that I that I did that, and I've created that path up until now. And some of those things, while they worked up until this point, may not work for me in the future. Definitively, won't work for me in the future. So I don't know if it's got me fired up, but it's certainly a Rubik's cube of like, hey, I gotta I gotta figure out how to keep myself reinvented and and charged up about everything that I'm doing in my life not not just the music business, but anything. I've got to. I've got to figure out how to take the best of me and reinvent it to carry me forward the next whole bunch of years and do it differently than however I've done it to this point. But but like I said, take the best of me doing so. And I, I think that's, I probably think about that the most. And I try to apply that to everything that I'm doing, which it, it, it's it's easy on the one hand, and maybe you drag along some bad habits with you in the other, and it's it's not always so easy. So that that part of, of life right now, I kind of find, from a self-reflection standpoint, really interesting all the time. Yeah, man. I mean, I think what you're saying is, you know, like you're you're self-motivated. You you are in charge of you. No one, no one's banging down your door. No, no one's like you you are not a content person. 
you probably feel like, man, if, if, if I feel content, I've got, a, I've got a problem, right? Like I'm, I'm a shark and I got to keep swimming or I'm going to sink. Yep. That's hundred percent right, man. I mean, I'm, I'm competitive with myself and I'm competitive with others and all that stuff keeps a, keeps a fire lit and it winds up in every era, area of my life. There's certainly times where I know I, I could do better and I should do better. And then that weird, that becomes a a weird, uh, itch that you got to scratch as well. So you're hundred percent right on that. Okay. So, you know, here I am on the Aussie farewell tour you have Lamb of God on the Slayer Farewell Tour, right? So in essence, we have two more major festival headliners being taken off the map. What's the next wave of people that are going to take the place of these bands as they retire? Well, I, I thought about that here recently. I mean, I've always felt like Lamb of God was always in a pretty good spot. They've been in a good spot for a long time to kind of be the everybody's band. And I think they'll continue to be in a good spot with that as, as, as some of these uh, more established headlining bands from that, that world anyway retire. But I was thinking about this with like with Wimmer's festivals this season, like you got Alice in Chains closing the night, you got Godsmack closing the night. And obviously bands like Tool already at that level, Metallica is, is, is the biggest, but I look at a band like like Godsmack or Alice in Chains, they're in a pretty good spot. The world needs more rock stars, and those bands, and, and there's there's a, there's a half dozen of them. I'm, I'm just naming two quickly, and um, they're for, for no other reason just to illustrate that I think the, that kind of a band right now is going to go on a pretty big run, I think, of being, and, and I think even for me, and a, and a lot of people like my age, you don't even think of some of those bands as those kinds of bands, but they have literally a discography of songs that are hits. And when you sit in, in, in a field or an arena and they just crank out one song, even if they're not your favorite songs, you know these fucking songs. And they're going to be the bands that are going to be the heir apparent, for, for lack of a better word. Yeah, I mean, we just did a festival and STP was on the bill earlier in the day. Yep. And, you know, you could hear them in the distance and it's exactly what you're saying. Every song was a hit. Every, and I don't own an STP record. I've right. never, I've never purposely put on an STP album or song ever in my entire life, but yet I knew the entire set. Yep. And that was, that, that said a lot. You're like, wow, okay, well, these guys are maybe a little lower on the bill right now. You know, they had to do, take a step back, reinvent themselves, get a new guy, you know, in the mix, but it's not going to be long till they're making their way up the ladder. Well, you, you don't, you don't think of it you, in the, in the sense that I think I th- how we're used to it, right? Like you and I grew up listening to Sabbath. We were kids. We were listening to Sabbath, but some other kid that's 15 years younger than us, 20 years younger than us. Yeah, they were probably lucky enough to do that too, but they were also doing that with a with an Alice in Chains record or a Godsmack record, even in a different way than 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 we were. And those bands are their headliners now. I mean, that's like a real thing. Let's run a hypothetical. So you know, Tim Bohr is a very busy agent, has a lot of super big kick ass clients. But hypothetically, if you were open to taking on a developing band, something brand new, what qualities do you look for in a new client that is young and developing? I always like something a little weird. 
I'm not a, a trend follower. I try to be a trend maker. Sometimes at different levels of success with that than others, but I like something that stands out a little different, a little little from the rest of the pack. Something that feels like it's trying to be a, a, a trailblazer. Something that feels bold. Something that feels like it's taking some chances. It's got to have the right components around it, the right people. But if I hear it ahead of it having the right people, I'll, I'll help it get the right people in it. But I want to hear something that just feels like it's trying to be a leader rather than a follower. And while that sounds kind of obvious, I, I think we all know there's a lot of followers out there in terms of the bands that are out there and even the bands that are having success. I don't know. I mean, look, you, you could say Greta Van Fleet sounds like Led Zeppelin, which, yeah, they do. But they're also a band that is kind of reinventing that wheel in the moment, too. So it's like that that's a band that that is a leader in, in, in the moment with rock because they took a chance to to, to go write and, and 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 perform classic music in, in a modern way. And it's and it's turning people on to rock. That's exciting. Yeah. I mean, and like. You know, someone, you know, ended up on your doorstep, you know, some young band like you. I'm assuming that you want them to have something even on the DIY level, right? Like you you, you have a history in the DIY subculture and you want to have someone that's done some work, right? Like you 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 want to contribute to something that's in motion, but you know that you're going to bring something to the table as an agent, right? Like you, you, it's not sexy for you to get involved with something where like with an attitude of like, all, Oh, okay, cool, man. Like we're just here to play shows. Like, can you get us some shows? You're like, well, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like you guys, we're living in an era where you guys, you got to take the reins. Like you gotta, you gotta let us know that you can build an audience. Like help me help you. Right. Well, look, it's it's more complicated than that. Even I think, like, forget that. Yeah, you gotta you gotta have proven that you got, you're doing some that you can do the work and and this and that. You gotta you gotta prove that you're actually durable and roadworthy. You know, it's like you take five five you know basically kids and put them in a van. You're basically sticking them in a small cylinder with each other for an extended period of time with no like training on how that's going to work out. It doesn't always work out very good. In fact, most of the time it doesn't work out very good for one reason or another. So having a band that is just got like a, a good song or a group of good songs is not enough. They gotta, they gotta have done some work in the, in the full scope of things to prove that to themselves and to anyone else that's going to get involved that, you know, Hey, you've got what it takes beyond just being able to write the music. Like you, you understand what this business is and what it's going to do to you and the commitment you got to give up to it for, forget being successful, just having a shot at being successful. What would be a new level for you? Look, I, I, I'd like to have a few more, true arena amphitheater slash festival headliner bands on, on, on my roster. I've, I've had a great career of being great in taking odd oddball bands or, or, or bands that are from my world and helping them being a part of them developing a, a great business for themselves. And I've been really lucky for that. And I'm grateful for that. But I also have learned to really love being in the music business. So rather than just playing with my own toys, I'd like to be as exposed to 
the top end of the business as possible, just so I'm a well-rounded person and a well-rounded agent and just great at being a master of the business. And um, I don't know that no matter how successful I, 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 I am, you know, I think I'll, there'll always be just that, how do I get to that next level? How do I get to that next gear? How do I, one, once you get to the next rung on the ladder, how do you not fall off? How do you keep climbing? And that's just a general thing that I want to uh, stay persistent at. The role of the agent is something I want to talk to you just a little bit about before we wrap it up. And like, I feel like potentially the perception of the agent isn't something as ingrained, like isn't something that is as passionate and is as communicative member of the team as people would think. Like, I feel like people's perception of an agent involves a lot of spreadsheets, you know, a lot of phone calls, beating up some promoters, you know, it's, it's kind of very like by the numbers analytical, but what, what I know and what I've come to find is that the agent is a very important part of the team. They get in there. The bands trust you guys. The band ask your guys' opinions about stuff. In a lot of ways, you know, you guys are, you know, on a management level. And I think you actually, that's actually a specific role in a lot of, in a lot of your cases, right? Like you kind of take on that role by default sometimes. And I just want you to touch a little bit on just the general involvement is so much deeper than maybe what the perception is of an agent. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, look, I mean, that's probably my favorite part of the job. It's not just taking orders, you know, and fulfilling orders. It's having your own spin on an art, being artistic with, with what it is, right? It's like a band may know who they are, but they don't always know how to create the path on how to be exactly what they are. And, and you catch, artists as they go in different moments of their career and trying to manage their peaks and valleys and their and 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 trying to create avenues to get to different levels of success that's a craft that's a you get that's a vision right so when, when a band wants to tour and it's like okay well the last time we toured we, we sold 500 tickets how are we going to sell a thousand tickets this time or we sold three thousand tickets last time and we're going to sell seven thousand tickets this time it's not well let me just go get the dates on hold and get you some guarantees. It's like, well, what are all the puzzles we're going to put together here? Pieces of the puzzle we're going to put together here to, to actually make that work. The agent gets to be a coach with that. They, they get to be a strategist with that. And, and that's the, for me, the most fun part of the job is when you, when you get to be a member of the band in terms of like, I see what this band is about and I see some part of the path that's going to help them get there. That's the best part. Okay. So you started off whenever you were in bands, you were the singer, right? So right. what band do you wish that you sang for? <laughs> I wasn't a good enough singer to sing for anything. It doesn't spot. matter. It doesn't matter. It's a, it's, it's a fantasy. You were, you were good enough. If they're like, you know what I mean? Like the band exists except for you're the singer, which do you do? You know, which, what was the thing that made you want to be a singer in the first place? Uh, look, I, I, because I did sing in bands and because I was not a very good singer, the singers like Chris Cornell or Richie Birkenhead who sang for a band called Into Another, which a lot of people don't know, but it was one of my favorite bands. And that dude has a ridiculous voice. Rock bands with really dynamic singers are my favorite kinds of singers. My favorite kind of bands and not just a guy who can carry a tune, but somebody who's 
twisting their their amazing voice into some other version of of an instrument beyond just singing the lyrics to a song. That's that's my favorite shit. Well, Tim, thanks for uh, coming on, and I super appreciate it. Oh yeah, man, thanks. A new level podcast is brought to you by Musicians Institute. Headphones provided by Monster Products. Editing and music by Blake Bunzel. Logo design by Mango Beard. I produced this show with my managemental co-host from the other coast, Mr. Mike Mowry for Jabberjaw Media. Email me questions or comments at askblasco at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Hey, what's up? My name's Lurk, and I'm the host of Lamb Goat's Van Flip Podcast. Every week, I have in-depth conversations with bands from all over the scene, big and small. We also like to keep our finger on the pulse and showcase up-and-coming bands on the show as well. So come check out Lamb Goat's Van Flip Podcast. Hey there, I am Johnny Christ from Avenged Sevenfold, and I've got a podcast called Drinks with Johnny you're going to want to check out. I sit down with a bunch of different people from all different walks of life, from professional wrestlers to actors, comedians, fighters, musicians, everything in between. I'm just looking to make some friends and have a good time doing it. So if that sounds like something you're into, go check out Drinks With Johnny, streaming everywhere now. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network.